Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Thanks to Mama May for supporting Mama on a Mission, the solution for busy, time-poor working mums who want nutritional, organic food for their baby and toddler delivered frozen to their door. This has honestly been a lifesaver for me. As a very busy mum running a business and juggling all the plates, I know that you feel me on this, I am too tired to cook. So no more stressing or worrying about mealtimes. This subscription service is every working mama's dream, I promise. Get your 25% off your first three Mama Made boxes with the exclusive code only on this podcast, Mama Mission 25. I will leave the link in the show notes. You're listening to Mama on a Mission. Everyone and welcome to the Mama on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Jonesy, certified positive psychology coach, business mentor, and mum. I thought I ruined my life when I had a baby. After a traumatic 90-hour labour and struggling through a very messy start to motherhood with postnatal depression, I lost my mind, identity, confidence, and I hated my postpartum body. Now I adore being a mum and I'm more motivated than ever. I've built a successful business that gives me the freedom and flexibility to be with my family and I set up this podcast to help mums not feel alone in their struggles. I am a mama on a mission to imperfectly empower mums postpartum and beyond. My goal is to help one million mums improve their mental health, shift their mindset, get body confident and reach their goals without the mum guilt. Together on this show, we are going to redefine what it means to be a working mum in the modern world. Whether you're looking to build a side hustle, make money online, or pivot in careers, this is your non judgmental mum club that helps you grow in every area of your life because taking care of you is taking care of your kids too. Now, let's dive in. Hey everyone, I am so excited to speak to my guest today. Lisa Johnson is a business strategist, a multimillionaire and a mum of twin boys. She is a real mama on a mission who has built a seven-figure business through passive income, also known as making money while you sleep or playing with the kids. And she's built a highly engaged audience in doing so. So, If you are looking to start a side hustle, make money online or build a business while working less, this episode is going to show you it's entirely possible for you to have more freedom, flexibility, money and impact in your life and be a brilliant mum. But how? 
And that's exactly why I started this podcast, so you can find out how. But of course, as always, we're unfiltered, we're honest on here, and we want to share the truth about the highs and lows of building businesses while raising babies. So welcome, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So tell us your story because you were in debt, right? Yeah. And then now you're running a multi-millionaire business and seven-figure business. So tell us the story. I mean, that happened in four and a half years. That's how crazy the last five years have been. Basically, I don't come from money in any way. I grew up in a council house in Lincolnshire. And so I left school when I was 16 because I was bullied really badly for being poor. The people I went to school with were rich because I got a scholarship to a private school. And so I left school really early, no real qualifications. And then I kind of dragged my way up a corporate ladder. You know how it is, like going from office junior, trying to get promoted constantly. And I was doing okay. I ended up working in a, a bank in Canary Wharf as a risk analyst. So I was doing all right. And then in my 30s, sort of mid to late 30s, I accidentally got pregnant with twins <laughs> and, and kids weren't really on the cards for me it wasn't something I'd even really thought about I wasn't really in a very happy marriage at that time and I was thinking about going through a divorce and suddenly there I was with twins and it was a shock there were no twins in my family and so I went back to work when they were five months old I split up with their dad and so was single parent for a while with two very, very small crying babies. And I was leaving the house at six o'clock in the morning and I was coming back at 10 o'clock at night, which I realised very quick. I was that mum that thought, oh, I'll just have kids and they'll fit in with my lifestyle. How ridiculous. <laughs> but that is what I thought before they were born. You know, they'll be like, they'll just have to fit in. <laughs> They're not going to fit in anywhere. So I ended up leaving when they were about six months old and going to work near my house just so that I could have, you know, I could see them in the mornings and evenings. So I had a kind of nine in the morning till four o'clock job, which was a lot better for me, but it meant slashing my salary from 60,000 a year to 20,000 a year. And suddenly I was on my own and suddenly I had two mouths to feed and it was much more difficult to pay for everything, but I had to do it. And I had to go from being, you know, a fairly respected risk analyst down to an office junior again, because they were the only jobs going near my house. So that's what I did. And while I was there in that first year, I thought, well, how can I make some more money? I was getting more and more in debt. And I thought, I know what I'll do. I will become a wedding planner. We'll have a business on the side. I'll have a side hustle. And I didn't know anything about business because nobody I knew had ever started a business. But I started this business and in the first year, I got 13 full plan weddings, which was kind of great. But because I didn't know anything about business, at the end of the year, when my new boyfriend at the time said, well, let's work out if you can leave your nine to five. I was making £1.15 an hour when we worked it out. Like this side hustle is never going to be one that I can leave my nine to five on. And I knew that I had to learn about business. I knew that I, I needed to put more effort into it. But by now, I was 30,000 in debt. So... In for a penny, in for a pound. You know, I found a course about business. It was about 5,000. If you're 30,000 in debt, it didn't seem to make much difference to be 35,000 in debt. So I got a credit card, put it on it and made it non-negotiable that I was going to make this money back. And it worked. I learned to all the, the business basics, just the basics really, like money mindset and how to write a strategy or a business plan and how to do time blocking correctly and all of that kind of stuff how to work out your ideal client, which was the biggest one. 
And it changed everything. And about eight months later, I turned that wedding business around to become profitable. And, you know, it was doing quite well for the UK industry. It was kind of known as the biggest urban wedding planning company in the UK. But wedding planning companies don't make a great deal of money. It allowed me to leave my nine to five, though. So that was good. So there I was doing this for a couple of years. And then people started asking me, how are you doing this? You know, how are you? How did you start your business? And it seemed that I had a knack for explaining business things in a really non-jargon, simple way, like you do. Like it's all becomes very, very easy, very simple and non-complicated. And so I started telling people what I'd learned because by now I'd been reading every book, going to every webinar. I was that self-development junkie. I started telling them and they started making more money. And I realised actually this is what I should be doing. And organically, I just started Lisa Johnson's strategy. It was just, well, just about hit five years now. And um, everything changed. My whole world changed. Within the first year, I made 220000 But I was only doing one-to-one work, like done for you, done with you kind of work. And I realised that something was going to have to give because in that first year, I burned out three times. I was working 80 hours a week. I'd left my nine to five for a six in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. It was not the freedom that I'd been promised, you know. Everyone says, you can work your own hours, you can see your kids more. It definitely did not feel like that for me. And so then it was the kids' first day at their new school and I forgot to pick them up. And it was because I was so busy. I just, it went out of my head. I was dealing with a client at the time and I got this phone call from the school. She's like, you need to come and pick your kids up. And I was like, oh my God, how have I forgotten? And that was the wake up call that I couldn't continue working in this way. And so I was looking at different business models and I was listening to somebody on a podcast like this one talking about passive income and how it doesn't exist, which was great because then I was able to listen to both sides of that. And I went down this rabbit hole. I spent probably everything I'd made or everything I had left from that first year in business on learning from the best that I could find on all different types of passive income streams, whether it was drop shipping or cryptocurrency or courses and memberships. I learned everything I could. And I started in that year to add them into my business, add all these different business streams in. So I'd do it, I'd I'd add one in, If it didn't work, what I'd learned, I'd forget about it. I'd add another one in, refine it to make it even better, and then keep doing that until it was the best it could be. By the end of year two, remember that in year one, I was making 220,000, but I was working 80 hours a week. At the end of year two, I was working 30 hours a month, and I was making over a million. Wow. And that changed everything, because then I realised that actually, that means that I can just keep scaling this. And now I earned 7 million and I am still working 30 to 40 hours a month. So, yeah, that's now what I teach other people because I want people to realise there are different ways of doing things. There are different business models that you can use. Wow. I mean, it's just an incredible story. Like, it's so inspirational, Lisa, and it's exactly why I wanted you to share it on here. And just listening to you as well, you keep it really honest and you're very real about it. Like you said, you forgot to pick up your kids. And I think a lot of mums who are listening to this, like who are business mums, feel like they don't have that freedom and they do things like they forget about their children or they... 
are always coming up against this, okay, I want flexibility, I want this freedom, but actually I feel like I'm working more. Like, I've got to be honest myself, yeah. like, I've been in business for only a year and a half now. I was doing it as a side hustle and finally just bit the bullet, went into a mastermind and learning, like you, learning everything that I need to know, also qualifying at the moment as a positive psychology coach as well. And one of the things that come to mind really is how do you balance learning it all and making money at the same time? Because I think that's quite a hard thing really to hard. do as well as look after your kids, as well as, you know, cook, as well as, you know, do life. <laughs> yeah, everything's a juggle. And it, w it was especially a real juggle at the beginning. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I do it all now. I have a husband now that does all of the kids stuff, literally has taken over all of the house stuff and all the kids stuff. And I think when we keep telling people, you know, you can have it all, you can do it all, I think that makes people feel crap because you can't mm. you need help you need support and, and I'm really lucky to have that support and I don't want to pretend that I do it all on my own because I don't but at the beginning when it was a juggle how I did the business was I had my nine to five and then I had the twins and what I was doing was I could only work on my business for three hours a day that's all I could do because I did six till seven in the morning before they woke up and sometimes that would get ruined and then I did my lunch hour at work I worked on the business. And then when they went to bed at seven, I did seven till eight, sometimes seven till nine um, before I had to then do the feeds and everything else again. So it was a juggle at the beginning. But I always thought to myself, it's better to do something than nothing, because even if it takes me longer than everybody else, at least I will be doing I will be working my way towards it. And so that's how I did things. Um, but it is a juggle and there's no easy answer to it. It's, you know, you have to become quite obsessed with your business at the beginning, I think. I didn't watch any television. I didn't go out with my friends. I didn't do anything like that. I just became obsessed with, with growing that business because I knew that if I could just make it work, if I could just put everything into it now, then in the future, I would have more time to spend with the kids. And somebody told me that only 5% of businesses make it. And it's because 95% of people won't do the things that you need to do in the first couple of years to get your business going. They won't give up everything else. And you have to. And that's what I did. And, and now I spend loads of time with them. Amazing. And something that's just sprung to mind as well is single mums listening to this who have a deep desire, passion to either have a revenue stream or have a side hustle or build that business what would you say to them because they don't have that same support a lot of the time I will say to single mums yeah. you know, find someone that you can do a swap with or find ways you know be creative like think divergent thinking like okay what are my options here like don't think okay I'm a single mum it's all up to me it's all my responsibility I have to take it all on like what can they do because you were there the end of the day you do only have the hours you have and you do only have the time you have we can't make more of it however much we wish we could we definitely can't compare ourselves to people that have a lot more time than us this whole you know we've all got the same 24 hours in a day thing we don't like I definitely don't have the same 24 hours as Beyonce and her twins she has a lot more help than I do and so I think what we have to do is be kinder to ourselves and not compare ourselves to other people and instead the time that you do have whether it's one hour a day whether it's 
three times 20 minutes a day, whatever it is that you do have, you use that time really, really well. Don't be faffing about doing things that, you know, you see other business owners do that are nice to do. You do the things that are going to generate you the income only. Amazing advice. So what does it actually feel like to be a multimillionaire? Like, do you have the freedom? Do you have the financial security? And is it all that it's cracked up to be? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I have the freedom and financial security, although my own money mindset because of where I come from, still needs work all the time. It doesn't stop. I don't tick a box and go, well, that's money mindset done. Like, I'm constantly having to work on it because even now I think, well, what if it all disappeared, you know? And even though I've bought houses and all sorts of things to make sure I'm financially secure, I think I'll always have a little bit of that because of where I come from. So, yes, I have the financial freedom. We travel around the world now. I constantly take my twins around the world. I work from anywhere and I have an extraordinary life and I'm really, really fortunate to have that extraordinary life. Is it all it's cracked up to be? There's different problems. (laughs) It doesn't stop all your problems. It just stops the financial ones. (laughs) But I look back sometimes and there are hassles that come with being this visible you know, I'm visible. I put my bank statements online, for God's sake. There's things that are going to trigger a lot of people that, you know, every time I'm in a newspaper or a magazine talking about how much money I've made, I get a lot of rubbish aimed at me because it triggers people who who haven't done that yet or it triggers men who don't like to see a woman doing really well. And the reason I talk about money so much is because when I wanted to make money... I couldn't see what was possible because I didn't see anybody that was a bit like me, you know, from a, from a council house background who'd been bullied before making that kind of money. And so I didn't have anyone to kind of go, well, it is possible for you too. And so I always vowed that if I got there, I would make sure that people knew it was possible. I would talk about money all the time and get rid of the taboo around women making money. So I talk about it a lot, but that does trigger a lot of people. So I do get a lot of bullying online. I get a lot of trolling online and in magazines and things. And that side of it, I could let go. I could really do without having all of that. It's taken me years to come to terms with the fact that that's just part of it and I'm going to have to deal with it. Um, So it's not what it's cracked up to be, as in, I think people think when you have money, you, you never have any problems. You do still have problems. You just don't have financial ones. They're just different ones. And sometimes I look back and I think how poor really me and Sam were when we first got together and I had the twins and there were some really happy times in there and I think you know there was no pressure there was no stress there was no 5,000 clients at any one time that I had to make sure were doing okay there is that side of things so I don't want people to think you know if I just make loads of money I'll be happier because that isn't what makes you happier what makes you happier is you deciding you're happier and that inner state. But I think sometimes we don't realise that because we think it's, you know, if only I could make this money, everything would be better, everything would be easier. Parts of it do get easier, but parts of it get more difficult. I'm just going to quickly interrupt this episode to ask you a question. How do you balance cooking or weaning with the demands of a high-level job or running a business? I actually use a baby and toddler meal subscription service called Mama Made. They are for busy working mums who want nutritional organic food for their baby and toddler delivered frozen to their door. 
this has honestly been a lifesaver for me. As a very busy working mum, running a business, I'm going to be honest, I'm too tired to cook and sometimes I just really don't enjoy it. So no more stressing, no more worrying about mealtimes. This subscription service is every working mum's dream. And I've got an exclusive offer just on the podcast. You can get 25% off your first three Mama Made boxes with the code MAMAMISSION25. So if you pop that in at the checkout, you get 25% off. I will leave the link in the show notes. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that actually a lot of people aim for. I'll be happier when this happens. When I buy my house, I'll be happier when I get a new car. I'll be happier when, you know, I move out of this area. Like there's always this destination where actually we just need to go, actually, am I happy now? Like what in, in today... What is happening? Am I grateful? Like, what is going on? Am I happy? Can I find joy in the day? And I think that's where really true happiness comes from. You're so right. It's the in-between bits. When I look back, I was one of those people that was like, if I could just get to six figures, it would be better. But there's always a new goal. If I could could just get to seven figures, if I could just get a book deal, if I could just go to Necker Island, if I could just get a TEDx. And I was getting all the things, a Forbes article, you know, I was doing all the things that everybody said would make me happy. But actually, when I look back, the happiest I was was the doing, not when I got to those peaks. It was when I was working with the clients. It was when I was was doing the work. So try and enjoy the journey. Because otherwise you will get to the top and go, oh, well, what next? There's always going to be another peak. Yeah, especially when you're ambitious and you're go-getting and you're like, okay, what's the next step? What's the next step? When I was actually doing the rebrand for this on Mama on a Mission, I was pulling all of my stats. And actually it was such a nice activity just to go back because I dreamt of having a podcast for years, but actually was scared to show up was scared to get visible and I just remember being on the train in my nine to five going to work always listening to podcasts and I was like I'd love to do that I'd love to do it I'd love for it to actually be like a revenue stream for it to be my job and then here I am and then I was actually looking at the charts you know number six in the self-improvement charts and I just had this epiphany moment of I've been focusing so much on where I'm going next and what I'm trying to hit and achieve equally a six-figure business that I forgot actually where I am right now and where I've come from and that has been so amazing just to step back and actually realize that yeah you need to celebrate the successes because they go quickly Mm. and then you're on to the next thing and you should just decide you're going to be happy now and that you're successful Mm. right now you're not waiting for anything Yeah, I love that. And just want to go back to your money mindset, because I want to nitpick your brain, really, because you come from a council estate, equally so do I. So I I understand the scarcity, the limitations, the the feeling of inadequacy that actually it's not possible for you and there might be some people also coming from poor backgrounds that are listening to this. How do you get visible Or how do you work on your money mindset? I agree it's a journey consistently, but I want to know inside your brain, like, what is the process of that? So how I did it was I worked out my money story. I think we all have a money story. We all have these limiting beliefs that we don't even know just walking around that we have. I didn't. 
And then when I started to really think about what do I really believe about money? And I made myself write money is and then keep writing words that were all negative. Money's evil. Money causes problems. There is never enough of it. If we think that something is negative, there is absolutely no way we will be able to attract that into our lives. Our subconscious won't let us because our subconscious is much more powerful than anything that we try and do. So we need to change the story. So I was thinking things like rich people are bad people because the people that bullied me at school were rich. And so if rich people are bad people, why do I want to be one? You know, my subconscious is not going to allow it to happen. So I was self-sabotaging myself every single step of the way until I did this work and got really clear about what I thought about money and unpicked that and started to look for people that were doing really good things with money to stop myself thinking that and putting positive affirmations in place and finding evidence of the opposite to what my subconscious believed. And it made a world of difference. Do you believe in manifestation? No, not in the way that most people do. Yeah, no, I just, I was interested to know because you hear a lot of people that have made it or, you know, mm. successful people and they speak a lot about, you know, manifestation and yeah. how they have. And people yeah. told me early on, when I came into this and I was looking for coaching, I couldn't find a coach that wasn't what you'd call woo. And people told me, <laughs> If you're not, you won't get there. The people that get there, you know, the people that are successful, it's because they're spiritual, it's because they believe in manifesting the law of attraction, and then I knew I'd get there. Because just to prove them wrong. I don't believe in manifesting in the way that people talk about it, where you write what you want, put it under your pillow, and then it will just happen. I believe that if there's any kind of manifesting, it's really knowing what you want your life to look like and putting a plan in place to go after it. Now, some people say that is manifesting. Good. I'm all for that type. But there's a lot of shame with the manifesting coaches out there that if you don't get what you want, it's because you didn't want it enough. You didn't do the things that you need to do. It's very much a victim blaming mentality. And I don't subscribe to that at all. I think that you know, that it's, it's very easy for a coach to be able to go, well, you didn't manifest it. Where are the KPIs in that? <laughs> like, I'm much more about like, action based things. Okay, that's really good to know, actually, just because I mean, I do believe in manifestation only because I've seen it happen. But I don't believe you can manifest anything without action. And that's something that I teach myself, like in my own membership. Yeah. So I actually want to move on to like the passive and semi-passive income streams. Can you also share with us the difference between what that is and then yeah, how yeah. you've built both of them? So for instance, if you look at, I had a course, let's say right at the beginning, and it was a business basics course for, called Fabulous Foundations. And I recorded everything, you know, did the workbooks, did the PowerPoint presentations, and then I packaged them, put them on my website. And people could buy them. So I would wake up in the morning with more money in my bank account than when I went to bed because somebody's gone and bought them and they go off and do them. It's completely passive. I would have nothing to do with it after I originally created the asset, which is the course. But I started to feel a bit bad that I didn't know whether it was helping anybody. I didn't know if people had questions. I didn't know, you know, it was a new course and I didn't know whether it was doing what it should be doing. And so I decided to teach it live. So instead, I'd put it out there. 
people would buy it and I'd still use the exact same workbooks, the exact same PowerPoint presentation, but for one hour every month, I would turn up live and teach it. That's semi-passive. And some people say, well, what's the point? That's not very passive. But at that point, if I was to charge someone for 10 hours of my time on a one-to-one basis, I would have made maybe 20,000. But doing that way, still 10 hours of my time, exactly the same amount of hours, but I would make 150 to 200,000 because there's more people on it. So semi-passive is just as good as passive. It's just different. So now I have passive things, semi-passive things as well, and a whole mix. I believe in a mixed business model. And I mean, I think the stat is you have seven income streams if you're a millionaire. Is that true of you? Yeah. So um, most people who are millionaires have at least seven income streams. So usually one of them is the done for you consulting one to one. You know, let's say you're a brand designer, it would be making the website would be one of them. But the rest of them are usually passive and they can range, you know, from investing in stocks and bonds to property that you rent out to cryptocurrency that you're you're doing things with all sorts of things to courses memberships books ebooks all of those kind of things even small things like a podcast my podcast is sponsored I get paid every time I do a podcast so there's lots of different ways you can make passive and semi-passive income but I believe the quickest and easiest ways especially for mums is to take their knowledge and sell it. So ebooks, courses, membership, group programs. And it's all well and good like having this knowledge and like putting it into something, but what about the marketing side because I think that's what a lot of mums that I speak to, they get really stuck on, they're like, okay, I don't have a big enough following or audience, or I don't know how to market because I've never done it before. So what would you say to those mums? The most important thing is to grow an audience. Lots of people will tell you, you can make passive income without an audience. You can't. It's a numbers game. You'll make a little bit just from people that may see you, you know, on the internet. But that's not the way. Grow an audience. So I have a system called the cash system that I've trademarked, which is a five point system of how to make passive income. Step one, the C in the cash system is work out who your ideal client is. Who is this client that you want to you want to help? Step two, grow an audience of those people somewhere using a funnel. So I use Facebook groups generally, but I also have an email list now, but I didn't at the beginning. It was literally just a Facebook group that made me the 220,000. But you grow an audience. Then the next step, the first S in the cash system is structures and systems. How do you want to deliver things? I like video. I do everything on video. Some people hate video, so they'll do audio books or they'll do eBooks. Then look at selling. That's the next S. Selling online is called launching. It's a strategy all on its own, you know, a six to 12 week strategy. It's important that you learn how to launch. And then the H is keeping your clients happy because the first time that you market this, whatever it is, let's say you have a course, you market it. It's not going to be very passive that first time. You're going to be learning how to launch, growing an audience, writing the content, all the different things. It only actually becomes passive the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time when it's the same course that you've already written the same marketing that you've done a load of times before. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's, 
it, that's when it becomes passive. So yeah, using that five-step system is what will get you there. And growing the audience is the longest part. And how would you say that, because you said, you actually said that you nurtured it through a Facebook group. So, I mean, now you hear email list is the way forward. Like, that's how you get people because Facebook has become quite oversaturated, maybe. I don't know. I feel like Facebook was oversaturated then. Yeah. But, yeah, even then people were telling me, don't have a Facebook group, have a list. Like, I feel like that's been going on for some time. But (laughs) I feel like it sort of doesn't matter where you are as long as you show up. So I just opened a Facebook group and went live every day for five months. I just went live every day, whether it was for one minute or 20 minutes. I would just go live, talk about something I'd learned. In the end, I got 600 followers in that Facebook group in the five months that I was growing it, which isn't very many for five months of, you know, doing something every day. But in month six, I put out my first course and made 100,000 straight away. So it was worth it. And I could see then the power of growing an audience. I do wish I'd started my list earlier. I didn't start my list until year two. I can see why it's important. um, Because, you know, you don't own Facebook, we never know what's going to happen with Facebook or Instagram, but you own the list. So now I have both and Instagram, and it seems to work okay that way. Amazing. So I would actually also love to know, like, how you get out of your own way when you want to sell. Because that also is something that comes down to money mindset and lack of confidence or lack of self-belief. It is. I love selling now, but I hated selling at the beginning. (laughs) I was like, I feel like I'm being pushy, sleazy, used car salesman. I'm constantly selling. The thing is, people love buying things. That's what we need to remember. People love buying. They just don't like being sold to. There's a difference. If people have a problem and you're telling them your solution, they will want to buy it from you. If you're pushing, they definitely won't. How I think of it is, whatever it is that you do, you have a gift for it. It's wrong of you to not give people the solution to their problems. It's actually a really good thing to sell. No one goes into a shop and goes, God, I'm so annoyed that this shopkeeper is trying to sell me like whatever they're selling. It's a normal thing. Yet online, we get really worried about it. It's absolutely okay to offer people the chance to buy the thing that will help them. And, you know, don't be pushy about it. I'm all for selling in integrity. Don't be like telling people to put things on credit cards or telling them it's you know, they need to buy it all or their business won't work, all of that stuff. I hate all of that. But you do need to be able to sell. And I do think that you should sell every single day. Yeah. And actually coming from a place of service as well, like I always say this to my own clients is that flip it, like stop thinking about yourself, actually flip it as in what am I doing to help this other person? Like, if I don't do this, if I don't show up, then actually you're doing a disservice to the women that need your help Um, or the men. (laughs) You are. Yeah, all the men, but you are. You know, this is, if you hide it, how is that helping? If you hide the gift that you have, how is that helping anybody? Yeah, exactly. So I just want to kind of round this off with your biggest high in your business and your lowest low. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. I think my biggest high... I mean, it changes all the time because I always think I get to my biggest high. Like we had a £2.5 million launch in June and I thought that was my biggest high. And then my podcast went to number one in the business charts, which nobody had done who wasn't famous for like a year and a half. I was very excited. 
And then I got a book deal. So my biggest high change is because I'm constantly blown away by the things that can happen to you in this life. But at the moment, it's the book. I'm very excited about it coming out with Hodder and Stoughton in, in January. Um, my biggest low has been bullying online. Like in the mm. first year of my business, a competitor coach who I'd paid money to to work with her and all of the people she knew decided to try and take me down. And um, that was really hard. I nearly quit. I just hid because they were writing stuff in Facebook groups, all sorts of things about me because I think they were just threatened. And I wasn't earning very much at the time and they were earning a lot. And I, I was going to hide. And then somebody said to me, you can either change this industry by being right in the center of it and doing good and making sure things like this don't happen anymore, or you can quit and go and do something else. But you can only really change something from the inside and you need to make a lot of money to show people it can be done without being nasty to other women. And so I decided I was going to make a lot of money to show people that you can have integrity and still be a multimillionaire. So that's what I decided to do. Oh, Lisa, honestly, you're incredible. I wish that we could just talk more and more, but please tell everyone where they can find you. You've been an amazing guest. Oh, thank you. The best place is on Instagram, at Lisa Johnson Strategist. I have a, a challenge coming up on the 21st of March, if this goes out before then, um, that is like how to make passive income. So uh, if you go onto Instagram, you'll see all the details for it on there. Incredible. Thank you so much for being an amazing guest. No worries. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love it if you would subscribe and leave me a review and tell me what you loved about the episode because this helps more mums. And as a special thank you, I will send you a free resource, which is the Get Shit Done Mama Productivity Planner to help you feel more organized, more motivated and inspired on a daily basis. All you have to do is leave me a review on Apple iTunes and send a screenshot over to info at charlottejonesy.com and we'll send you a free copy. See you in next week's episode. Lots of love and light. You're listening to Mama on a Mission. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.